so good to be back with you. I was thinking how last Sunday I was in a village of Mutai in Uganda worshiping with them. I told the other crowd that um, had lively worship, as you can imagine, an African choir singing, and, and that was good. And I was getting ready to preach, and then right before I got to preach, they said, Now, we will do the African traditional dance for you. I want you to know they know how to do a dance over there. <laughs> I got up when I started the message said, if I tried to do what they did, I'd hurt something. Uh, but it's so good to be back. But also, I want to make sure that you know that we have a special guest among us, and that is Jennifer Lawson came back with us for about 10 weeks or so. Doug will be coming later, uh, I think, in, in October. But Jennifer is right back here. Jennifer, would you stand up? Let's welcome her back to Mount Airy. For those of you who may be new and don't know who Jennifer is, Jennifer and her husband Doug and their sons Wyatt and Jonas moved to Uganda with Water Missions International. And Doug's primary mission is to go into villages all across Uganda and help them have safe drinking water. And I'm really looking forward to sharing with you all that God did on our trip uh, to Uganda. But right now, I want you to also know that we've got a very special guest uh, named Tony Losetto and his wife Beth. Uh, in March of 2014, Ron Taffer and Chris Metters went to Cleveland uh, looking at the possibility of, of helping to start a church in Cleveland. Cleveland is one of the sinned cities that North American Mission Board has identified as areas that really need the gospel. And the South Carolina Baptist Convention has a partnership there as well. And so we were asked to go and, and explore that possibility. Ron and Chris went up. They came back very excited about working in Cleveland, but especially very excited about the couple you see on the screen, Tony and Beth Losetto. And Tony and Beth are from that, or at least Tony is from that area of Cleveland. Beth is from Alabama, and we'll forgive her for that, uh, being a Tennessee fan. Uh, but, but Tony and Beth are church planters living now in Cleveland, in an area of Cleveland called Old Brooklyn. And over the last six months, we've been ex- exploring the possibility of partnering with them. Since that first initial visit in March, uh, we've done all kinds of our uh, background studies and due diligence, uh, personality profiles, listened to him preach, uh, just done a lot of research into Tony because we wanted to know if he was really a, a man of God that, that could help plant a church in Cleveland. We believe that God has led us to Tony. We believe that he is indeed a church planner and has a church planner's heart and has the skill set to do that. So it's going to be our honor and our privilege tonight to have a formal ceremony where we partner together with them for the next three years to birth a new church in Cleveland, Ohio. I'll tell you more about that at the end of the service. But right now, Tony's going to come to preach to us today. Would you welcome Tony Losetto from Cleveland, Ohio? Thank you, Pastor Keith. Uh, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, glad to be here with you all. Uh, it's always a joy for us to come down here to South Carolina. Uh, for one, it's much warmer uh, than Cleveland is, so that's always a blessing. It's about 40 degrees already uh, at night uh, up there in Cleveland, so it's good to come down here. My wife can thaw out a little bit. Uh, so as Keith mentioned, uh, I'm Tony. I'm the church planning pastor uh, of Gateway Church, Old Brooklyn. Uh, we're really grateful for the beginnings of this partnership uh, with you all and the church family here uh, to plant a church, to see God's kingdom come. Uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, so it's, uh, I'm especially grateful for the leadership here. Uh, we had a great time with the mission team that came up and served with us in June. We had a lot of fun, uh, but we also did a lot of great uh, serving. So much need in a place like Cleveland, and so it was uh, wonderful to have a group help us out with that. 
And uh, we just appreciate you guys making us uh, feel welcome. So just a quick update. The last time we were here, uh, we were just getting started. Uh, but since then, we've had uh, six or seven mission teams over the summer. Uh, we have a projected uh, preview service dates. Uh, we're going to be uh, meeting in a, for Sunday evening services in a large local high school called uh, Rhodes High School. It's where Drew Carey graduated from. Uh, so some of you might, uh, might know him. Uh, but uh, our community group, our core group of people, uh, has grown to over 20 people, which is wonderful. We have some neighbors who are not believers uh, or who are, are learning more about Jesus uh, and asking questions about that at a part of our study weekly. And so we're really excited to see all that God um, is doing in Cleveland. And we're glad to be down here uh, and share that uh, with you all. But uh, without further ado, uh, I wanted to share with you this morning from God's Word from John chapter 10, uh, verses 7 uh, through 21. We'll be talking about uh, the Good Shepherd who gives us life. So go ahead and turn there. When you're there, you can say amen. If not, say wait on me. So, I'm just kidding. I've, I uh, had a southern preacher uh, growing up in Cleveland who always used to say that, so I felt coming down here I could, I could throw that out there this evening. So, but uh, we'll look there this morning. So, I'm reading uh, from the ESV, the English Standard Version. I begin in uh, verse 7 of chapter 10. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Amen. That's God's word for us. Let's pause and uh, I'll pray real briefly. Heavenly Father, we pause and give you thanks for this time. Thank you so much for your word. I pray that uh, you would meet with us in this time, Lord, and, and remind us, point us to Jesus, who is the good shepherd, that we would seek him and go to him and, uh, and find our lives in him. Uh, we ask that you bless this time, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, it's a wonderful passage of Scripture. We'll dive into that in a moment. Uh, but first, I wanted to share a, a little bit uh, of Cleveland with you. Uh, I think we'll get a few uh, pictures uh, to come up here. Uh, Cleveland is a fun place to live. Uh, I was born and raised in Cleveland. Uh, my father was uh, actually an immigrant to that community from Italy. Uh, it's very diverse. Uh, seems like everybody wants to come to Cleveland right now. We've got Mr. Money Signs over here, Mr. Uh, Johnny Manziel. Everyone's excited that he's there. He's actually just kind of sitting on the bench right now. Uh, but you got LeBron James, the return of the king is back, so hopefully we'll get a, uh, a championship there. Uh, the Republicans are coming in 2016 for the Republican convention. We're excited for that. 
Uh, you know, they got it. They figured, hey, everyone's going there. We might as well go. Uh, also, you know, we've, we had uh, the gay games, number nine, the Olympics. Uh, that was held there over the summer. So it's a, it's a diverse place. There is a lot of different people uh, in Cleveland. And you think with all that going on, that Cleveland would be a place that is just full of life, that everyone's, loving, uh, everyone's living high and mighty, everyone's having a good time. Uh, but the vast majority of people living in Cleveland, uh, when, you, when you get to know them and you spend time with them, they would tell you that life in Cleveland is hard. Uh, you know, besides the lousy sports teams, which we've already joked on, you know, the Browns always losing, uh, you know, there's the terrible weather. I mean, the winters are just awful in Cleveland. You know, before we moved up there, my wife and I said, hey, don't worry, you know, the winters, they're getting more mild. It's the place to be now. I think the jet streams are moving further north, you know. Well, we moved up there in August of uh, last year, and we got buried with snow. I mean, it was like zero degrees. I mean, one degree, zero degrees, and so we were, we were freezing. But my wife survived the winter, so it says a lot about our marriage, I think. So, but uh, work is also not easy for many people in Cleveland. Uh, it's a largely blue-collar community, lots of uh, steel mills, uh, auto workers, but a lot of the economy has changed in Cleveland. Uh, with the recession, a lot of those factories have shut down. There's a lot of people just trying to transition to different jobs, trying to find work so they can keep their families afloat. Um, it's a day-by-day thing for a lot of people in that community. Uh, and there's a lot of conflict, too, just in, in relationships, in families. Uh, there's a lot of even racial conflict between east side, west side. Um, it's just a lot of challenge there. And many people in Cleveland do not have a living hope. Uh, they're not living the abundant life that Jesus is talking about here. There's, there's thieves and wolves that, that come in and they steal life from people, uh, literally taking life from people in that community. Um, you know, the bar life, the partying lifestyle is pretty prominent in Cleveland there. Uh, you know, the Browns let you down, but so does that lifestyle. Um, home life is not a safe place for a lot of people in our community. Uh, we're trying to minister to them. Uh, we minister to people, you know, uh, trying to deal with alcohol and drug addictions. Um, there's sometimes just that pursuit of earthly riches that people living in the city think, if I can just get to the suburbs, life will be good. I'll make it out there. It'll be great. But life doesn't get any easier out in the suburbs. I mean, it, it, it's all the same. It's all the same challenges for us. Um, there's a lot of cults and false religions in our community. You know, right as we started ministering on our street, uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses have started hitting our street like crazy. I mean, they're out, and so they're talking to the same neighbors we're sharing with, and I'm meeting with some of them to say, hey, why don't you guys believe in Jesus and just have those conversations. Uh, but when I came a few months ago, I shared with you all uh, a passage when Jesus uh, from Matthew 9, he looked out and he saw the crowds and he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And, you know, that's the spiritual climate in Cleveland. There's people not living in hope, not living in life. And they need to be brought to the shepherd. And I know that's, you know, that's not just in Cleveland. That's, that's even right here in Easley, South Carolina. There's masses of people everywhere who are living without the good shepherd. Uh, it's a problem we can all relate with. And the question we ask, you know, is how will these people in our lives be brought to have abundant life? How are they going to know the good shepherd that you and I know? And, uh, you know, as we look at our passage, the answer is Jesus Verse 10, Jesus says, The thief has come only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is the good shepherd who gives us life. That's the answer. And that's our hope this morning. And it's the hope for the, the thousands and millions of people, even in this uh, country, that do not know him. Uh, Jesus brings hope into our hopelessness. 
He brings peace into the conflict we talked about earlier. He gives satisfaction like nothing else in life will. He gives victory over things like addiction. He heals our brokenness. Jesus, he forgives our sin. He, makes, he has made a way for us to have a relationship with God. He's come to give us full life. And uh, you know, As we see who Jesus is, you know, the next question is, how are we going to bring others to him? And I just have three truths for us this morning out of John's Gospel from John chapter 10 here. Three things that we need to hear about who the Good Shepherd is and apply it to our lives. Um, so as we, as we dive in and look at this here, a little background first. Uh, in, in chapter 9, Jesus has just healed a man born blind from birth. He's, he's given him sight. And this was amazing, right? But there's a mixed response. Uh, you know, the, the religious leaders of the day rejected Jesus, and so they were, you know, kind of antagonizing this. They ended up throwing the healed man out of the synagogue. They kicked this guy out who's just experienced God's work in his life, and they said, you know, we don't recognize Jesus as the good shepherd. We're, we're kicking you out. So now Jesus, in John chapter 10 here, he's confronting these guys, these Pharisees, and saying, I'm vastly different from you all. And he makes a comparison between thieves and robbers and the good shepherd. He says, you know, thieves and robbers, they come in from a back way, they don't take the front door. They jump into the sheepfold. They climb over the wall. And they, their goal is to take life and to steal life. But Jesus says, I'm the shepherd. I come through the gate. I am that door. I'm the rightful shepherd for the sheep. And Jesus comes to give life. And the point this morning, we know it's true, but it's good to be reminded, we all have the need for spiritual life. You know, the world tries to give us earthly solutions to a spiritual problem, right? You're not happy in life or... Maybe life's challenging. You know, we think, I just need some more money. I just need my spouse to be better. Maybe I need a better spouse. Uh, you know, if I just get a better job. Uh, the world's answer to, you know, I have low self-esteem. Uh, you know, well, watch more Dr. Phil and Oprah, and, and they'll give you some more self-help stuff. You just need to think more positively about yourself. That's the answer the world gives to us. It, it tries to treat the symptoms without going to the heart of the problem. And Jesus says, I'm going right to the point here. You know, I am the door. Anyone who enters by me will be saved, will find life, will find spiritual health. Jesus is saying, I am that good shepherd who's come to give you life. And that's what we desperately need. He brings his sheep in and out. They find pasture. And the first thing we learn about the good shepherd is that he lays down his life for the sheep. In verses 11, uh, 12, and 13, Jesus draws a lot from uh, the context of his day. There's a, a farming culture, a very agrarian culture. People would farm and keep sheep, uh, you know, so they knew the relationship between the sheep and his shepherd well. And for those of us, anybody have a pet sheep at home? I don't. You know, any, a pet, maybe some of you do, you know, a pet domesticated sheep, you know, so we'll talk a little bit about a sheep. You know, in a word, sheep are helpless. They've got to be fed, they've got to be led to the food, they've got to be led to the water, they, they don't know to go there on their own. Uh, they get lost, they just, they're prone to wander off, and they, don't, they can't find their way back, right? It's not like the pet Rufus, you know, your pet dog, he gets lost and he shows up a couple weeks later and you're like, oh, yay, he found his way home. If a sheep gets lost, he stays lost. The shepherd has to go and get him. But even beyond that, if that doesn't sound like a bad enough pet as it is, the sheep is totally defenseless. It's got no natural mode of how to defend itself against the wolves. If the sheep don't have a shepherd, the wolves come in and they pick the sheep off and, and it scatters them. And Jesus said the hired hand, he doesn't defend the sheep. He doesn't, his heart is not for the sheep. He doesn't care for them. So when the wolves come, he flees and the sheep, and the sheep lose their lives. They suffer. But the good shepherd is the one who protects them. 
He sacrifices his own life. He lays down his life for the sheep so that they might live and not die. You know, I know uh, dealing with wild animals is kind of different for you guys in the South, right? Uh, Y'all have guns down here, all right? We don't have, that's not as common up north. Uh, We had a lot of mission teams that came up to Cleveland in the summer, and uh, we have deer everywhere. I mean, bucks with antlers and birds flying all over the place, and so a lot of these teams from uh, the South would come up here and say, oh man, I could shoot that deer down and blow that bird out of the sky, you know, and I'm like, you know, that's great. We kind of like our wildlife up here. You know, I, I enjoy going for a run and there being lots of sheep and stuff like that around. And, uh, you know, I said, we'll just bring you guys up here for the block parties and stuff. And leave your guns at home and, and, and keep our wildlife alone, okay, right? Uh, but it's funny to think about that. But, you know, think about being defenseless against a wolf, not having any weapon, and you are basically at the mercy of, of that wolf, um, and it's, it sounds helpless, but you know what? The Bible says that you and I, we are like sheep. Uh, there's real wolves, and there's a real thief who comes to take our lives, spiritually speaking. Uh, you know, the biggest one is our own sin. Our own decision where we, when, you know, apart from God, we rebel against Him. And we choose to go our own way, you know, and, and we're separated, the Bible says. We fall short of God's glory, and our lives are in danger because we are separated from God. Or, you know, the other uh, thief, you know, the devil, he, he comes in and he deceives us. He'll say, you know, your sin's not that big a deal to God. You know, uh, I'm, I'm hardly lying or I'm not stealing a lot. This isn't a big deal. It's just normal to be like this in our culture. Uh, we get tempted to think that, hey, you know, it's good to hear about the good shepherd that lays his life down. I don't really need that. I'm, I'm okay as is. I don't really need a shepherd in my life, you know. Um, But the reality is, we need help. Jesus did for you and I what we could not do for ourselves. Jesus went and lived the life that you and I should have lived. He was obedient in every way that we should have been. And then, for all the things, for all the sin in our lives, Jesus took that upon himself. He died the death that you and I should have died. He laid down his life. We hear God loves us. God has a wonderful plan for your life. Do you remember this morning that God loves you and I to the point that Jesus Christ came and laid down his life on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so we could be made right with God? And Christ didn't stay dead. He rose again. He's the good shepherd who is alive so that we can believe in him and have new life. Uh, And so the point, the first thing to think through this morning and apply to our lives is we need to receive life from Jesus, the good shepherd. And that's the starting point as we minister to a lot of people in Cleveland and for any church is to ask as we minister to people, have you received life from Jesus? You know, before we can talk about, you know, a lot of other things in life, you know, you know, your job, your work life, your family life, you know, or being a church that wants to do this or do that, the real heart of the matter is as we minister to people, have you received life from Jesus? Has he brought you new life? Can you say, I've, I've passed out of darkness and into light I've gone from being hopeless to full of hope because Christ is my Savior. And that, that's a step that even as we plant a church, we know we cannot skip that. That is the starting point as we minister to people. And it's a good question to, that I put before you know, all of us this morning as we hear from God's Word is, do you know the Good Shepherd? And for those of us that have, you know, I think the application as we look at this and say, I've experienced new life with Jesus, a good point this morning is to ask, you know, where in your life do you still need His guiding hand? Where in your life are the wolves that are circling you? Where are they closing in? 
Maybe it's, uh, you know, a tough family situation. It could be that work is really challenging right now. Maybe it's a sin in your life that you're struggling against. It could be worries or depression, something in your life. Where do you need to turn into Jesus, the good shepherd, and realize that you can't just treat symptoms. The sh- Jesus is the shepherd who laid his life down for you so that you can, have, you can have victory. He came not for us to experience half a life. Jesus came to give us abundant life. And, and that's the application this morning. You know, don't go it alone without Jesus. Let him, let him the one who gave you life, let him keep you uh, and be drawn close to him. So, uh, but this is the gospel that we're seeking to bring to people in Cleveland. And moving along here, we learn more uh, about the good shepherd. The second thing we learn is that the good shepherd knows his sheep. Uh, verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father. So a shepherd personally knows each sheep in his flock. He's got nicknames for him. He knows him personally. He knows what each sheep is afraid of even. You know, maybe this one's afraid of heights. Or maybe this one's afraid of shadows. You know, that one makes, makes him skittish, you know. So the, the shepherd cares for each sheep individually. Uh, you know, Jesus knew his own by name. He calls Simon and changes his name to Peter. He gives him, how about that for a name? I'm going to call you a rock, right? He calls Mary by name in the garden after his resurrection. He calls Zacchaeus down from the tree and this morning it's good to know jesus knows your name he knows our names he's personal Uh, he knows our strengths and weaknesses as well peter was impulsive thomas was doubtful can anybody relate with some of those weaknesses jesus cared for each of them individually Uh, you know recently my uh, wife and i were hiking we planned out like a date day try to get away from all the work we're doing we went to uh a park in Cleveland. There's actually some nice parks in Cleveland, believe it or not. It's not all concrete. And uh, we were out. The date day was going well, doing some canoeing. We went for a hike down a trail. And my wife doesn't like snakes. She's not a snake person, right? I don't know if she's got a snake phobia, but, you know, they, they, they don't do her well. And we're walking down this trail, and this big old green garden snake comes slithering across the trail, and she just froze up, you know, right by her foot. And she's just, she's panicked. And so I had to coax her along, you know, through the, through the park. And I said, you know, we, you know, we got to go back down that trail, right? And she said, there's no way. We're going to go around. And it's like 10 miles to go around. And I said, no, we're, we got to go back down that trail. And no amount of convincing was doing her any good until I said, I will be right there with you. I'll, I'll walk between you and where the snake was. Uh, you won't be alone. I'll be with you. And Jesus wants to shepherd you and I the same way. He wants you to know that he is with you. If you trust in him, he doesn't always give us all the answers, but he is, he tells us, I will always be with you. I will care for you. And he's, Jesus is really getting to this idea here of belonging. Not just that you know Jesus, you know, as a, as, you know, intellectually, but that you belong to him. Just like the sheep know, I belong to this shepherd and not that thief. You become sensitive to know Jesus's voice in your life. And this is what we really um, are really trying to hold out as light for people in our, Cle- in our Cleveland community where, you know, it's, it's easy just to give up on the idea of a God who knows us and cares for us personally. It's easy for our faith to just become a, a Sunday-only thing, a religious thing, and to forget that Jesus has come to shepherd us through life. He wants to be with us through those difficult things. And we need to share in that life. After we receive life from Jesus, this passage teaches us that we need to share in that. And so the question this morning is, are you part of the flock? Are you part of the flock of sheep who, who are walking together and they're recognizing the shepherd's voice? You know, personally, we do it through reading God's word. Uh, 
but as a group, we, we help each other point out the shepherd's voice. Say, hey, I think you know, God's word applies this way in your life with that particular challenge or discipleship need, area you need to grow in. We help one another. It's so important what we do on Sunday mornings and what we do throughout the week. It's, it's being part of the flock. And we're following the shepherd who knows each of us. And it's important, you know, find other people in your life that can help you recognize Jesus' voice in your life and help other people who feel like, man, I feel like I'm all alone in this struggle. I don't know if God hears my, hears my plea, if he, if he sees me struggling right now. That's where you can step into those people in your life and help them discern the shepherd's voice in their life. And that's, that's why it's so important to be part of the flock. Um, but the final thing we learned this morning about the shepherd is that the good shepherd brings other sheep into his flock. Uh, verses 16 and, and on through 18, uh, Jesus says I, he's calling all people to be part of one flock. Uh, Jesus came for the Jewish people first, and then he came for the Gentiles also. And this is the message of John's gospel, that God so loved the world. And Jesus came, he, he reached out to a Samaritan woman who was only half Jewish, kind of an outcast, he reached out to demoniacs, to lepers, to sinners. Peter, uh, Peter and Paul went off to the Gentile people in the book of Acts. They took the gospel to every, uh, every nationality, every people group. That, it, was, it was showing that this is going to everybody now. And Jesus ultimately, he came for you and he came for me. And so there's no room for being prideful. There's no room for being exclusive when we talk about bringing people to the good shepherd. Jesus has come for everybody. And oftentimes, we, we forget how we got to where we are. You know, we all tend towards being uh, what I call a me monster. There's a comedian uh, out there who jokes at this idea of being a me monster, right? You go out to dinner, and it's a big group, and there's always that one person who talks about, you know, I do this, and I do that, and, you know, it's all about me, you know, and they're, they're you know, you're like, I can't listen to this guy much longer, you know. But we all tend towards that. Uh, we think that we've contributed more to, to our good standing. Uh, and we forget how gracious God has been to us in our lives. And it causes us to think differently. We assess people wrongly sometimes. We wonder, you know, we look at someone and think, I think this person's a good candidate for becoming a Christian. They've got a lot going for them. I think, uh, you know, their life seems to be in order. Uh, this person, you know, is close to Jesus. And then we look at someone who seems far from Jesus. And we think, ah, there's no way, you know. Uh, you know, we, we size people up the wrong way. And that's all wrong. Um, you know, the, the sheep who are in the flock, they you know, say they were talking to one another, how'd you get here? Well, the shepherd went and got me, and he brought me in. And we need to, that's God's heart, and we need to have that same kind of heart when we think about reaching people. Uh, Jesus is bringing sheep into the flock, and we need to work with God. That needs to be our mission as well. Um, you know, we think, why would God want to save that person? Just think about how Jesus went out of his way to save you. Um, it's important to see that it's not going to happen accidentally in our lives. Jesus purposely laid down his life. He had authority to lay down his life and take it up again. You know, some people would look and say Jesus was executed. But from the divine perspective, Jesus laid down his life. He did it intentionally. Jesus didn't die for you and I on accident. And when we think about the lost people we know in our lives, in our worlds, they're not accidentally going to come to know Jesus. It's going to take purposely and intentionally laying down your life in some way. How can I pray for this person? How can I give of my resources that God's given me 
so that they would know Jesus. And we want to be on mission with God, and, and we need the good shepherd who gave his life for us. Um, but finally this morning, as we, as we wrap this up, you know, we look at it, and we see there's a divided response to Jesus. Uh, some people reject Jesus with a baseless excuse. Uh, they say he's demon-possessed, he's crazy, but others say, no way. We, they recognize Jesus for who he was. I said, he's healed the, the eyes of, he's healed the, he's brought sight to a man born blind. Uh, and they believe in him. And the challenge for us this morning, the takeaway as we close, is to ask yourself, you know, how do you need to respond to the good shepherd? For some of you this morning, you know, maybe you have never received new life from Jesus. And you think, you know, I, I'm a religious person, I'll be okay at the end of my life. This passage is telling you, you need to receive life from him. And in a moment, when we have, you know, the invitation, I want to encourage you to be bold and, and to talk with someone about Jesus bringing you life for the first time. And for those of us, you know, we have responded to the Good Shepherd, ask yourself this morning, you know, how can I help others know him? How does God want to use me as his hands and feet? You know, I know Jesus is my shepherd. How do I need to press into him more? Who are the people in my life that, I can bring to him. That's what God wants to use you for. Don't miss out on that opportunity after receiving life from Jesus to then say, all right, great, and sit back. God can do amazing things through you uh, in your life and in the, in the lives of those around you. So uh, with those things in mind and those things on our hearts, I'll pray, and uh, you, you do business with God. And, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pause and give you thanks this morning. And God, we are th so thankful for your word. Thankful that even though we're, we're halfway uh, across the country, Lord, that we have that in common, that Jesus is our good shepherd. Thank you for sending him to give us new life, and not just half a life, but an abundant life, Lord. And I pray for anyone here this morning who has never experienced new life in Jesus, God, that you would give them courage to speak with someone about that today. And God, for the rest of us, we humbly ask that you would lay on our hearts uh, a desire to see other people come to know you, God. Uh, as you have given us life, help us to lay it down for others uh, so that people who are far from you would be, would be brought near. Uh, we pray that you would, you would uh, bless Mount Airy in their ministry, that they could lead people to Christ, and that you'd be with us in Cleveland as we start a new work there. Uh, your son would be made known. God, we love you and give you thanks and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.